for your word, for understanding of your word. Thank you, Lord, that your word is power. Oh, we thank you for the power in your holy word. We bless you. We praise you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. If you turn to the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, amen, for many, many years, this was uh, my favorite portion of scripture because it spoke to a need that I had at the time and I realized that I have that need all the time. You know, sometimes it may not be as obvious uh, at one time or another, but we do have the need for God's mercy throughout our lives. Uh, Don't ever get to the point where you think you're living off of your obedience because even your obedience is a measure of your uh, of the mercy of God. You know, he has to show you mercy to even give you a chance to obey him. You know, the first mercy we received from God was when we were born again and, and that we are aware of. You know, many of us have had mercies from God at times in our lives where we didn't even know him. And uh, that's always good to reflect on. But Lamentations 3 24 well we can we can read it and says um in verse 21 he says uh, 20 my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me this i recall to my mind therefore have i hope it is of the lord's mercies not our obedience not our giving not our confession not our faith it is of the lord's mercies That we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, will I hope in him. The Lord is good to them that wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. See, the the word wait here, it doesn't mean just sit there bored and angry because it's not happening yet. But that word wait means to wait seeking him, to be patient in seeking the Lord. Amen. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. See, when that word says quietly wait, that means in patience and hope, not complaining, not putting God on your time schedule, not being impatient. That means to quietly wait means to make no noise in your soul. So let your soul be at peace while you wait patiently for God. Why? Because you know he's going to come through for you. Amen. He says, <clears throat> it, it is also good that for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. He sits alone and keeps silence because he has borne it upon him. He puts his mouth in the dust, if so be that there may be hope. In other words, putting your mouth to the dust means to humble yourself. Amen. He gives his cheek to him that smites him, and he is filled with reproach. For the Lord will not cast off forever. In other words, here's a person, he he, he uh, describes a person who humbly endures. Amen. Even things that aren't good for him, either things that are distasteful, that kind of thing. So even though you may be going through, as we say, humbly enduring things that are not not for your good. But he says continue to do it because the Lord will not 
ignore you, cast you off, or tell you it's not time yet forever. Mm -hmm. But though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitudes of his mercies. So no matter how bad it gets for you, I'm serious. I don't care. The people have some really hard things to endure in life, no matter how bad it gets. God will still have compassion, not according to how much you suffered or according to what you think you're going through. You ever hear people uh, say things like, oh, I know I'm going to get a big blessing because the devil is really attacking me and all that. That has nothing to do with anything that God has planned for you. You crazy enough to take crap off the devil, then you can take it. You understand me? It doesn't mean anything. He says, but he does it according, he will rescue you according to his mercy that he can shed out on everybody. See, mercy is something, you know, always find the things that God generally gives to people. Don't try to make yourself a special case. I mean, not under any circumstances. Allow God, allow yourself to just be an average nobody so that you can receive the blessings of God. You know, when you see testimonies or hear testimonies, understand that if God did it for one person in the Bible, he will do it for you. No questions asked. So you don't have to be a special somebody. You don't have to stand out. You don't have to make God notice you. He notices you. And he'll notice you uh, from your heart crying out to him and ex- especially in expecting him to do good things in your life. So, uh, you know, he won't afflict people forever. Things don't, bad times, you hear people say that, sinners will tell you that. Bad times don't last always, you know, something good is going to come. Well, you can determine what good will come from God's word. You can prescribe the good that God is going to bring into your life. So it says here in verse 24, the Lord is my portion. This my, and therefore thus my soul will hope in him. The Lord is good to the soul that waits for and seeks him. If you take the Lord as your portion, a portion really means what you feed on. If the Lord truly is who you feed on, what you feed on, if his word is what you feed on, then you can expect good to come in your life. So really, you don't need anybody else but him. Because with God comes everything else that you might need. But you got to get him as your portion first. See, the problem people have is that you know, the Bible says that we are created in God's image. All human beings are created in his image. We are really seeking God, but we find something that's just almost like him and we settle for that. That's why we stay focused on people. What they think about you. How are you going to impress them? Uh, you know, you can pray for a job and go to work the first day and start worrying about whether the boss likes you or not. Huh? But if the Lord truly is your portion, then you will train your soul to wait patiently for God. Not try and pick up the substitute and try to get your needs met through the substitute person, human being. I don't care who it is. If it's a, a parent, uh, if it's a boss, husband, wife, who, or your children. 
whomever it is, you cannot depend on man. If the Lord is your portion, you will look to God for all of your needs, even if they're emotional needs that you think, oh, I'm so lonely. I just, why can't I get married or why? Huh? Get married. Now that ain't a cure for loneliness. And all the married people said, Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory. <laughs> that is not the cure for loneliness. Huh? Your portion needs to fill your soul. Huh? Now I'm not trying to talk against marriage. If you're believing God for a godly spouse or <laughs> whatever you believe in for a godly one, I don't know. I won't go there, but you know what I'm saying. You, you keep believing. You keep thanking God. Because marriage is honorable. Marriage will help and complement your life. You need a partner in life. Got me? Most people are running around here by themselves and I don't need nobody. Ooh, if you only knew. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Don't ever t- try to dictate your life on what you need. Try to dictate your life on God's plan for you. Amen. You don't have no clue what you need and don't need. Amen. So God is looking out for us. When he is your portion, he will supply everything that's necessary in your life. Problem with people is they don't trust God. huh? Well, it's hard sometimes because we're still learning about him. We want to believe that he has good things for us. We want to believe that he will bring us nothing but good. We want to believe that he is our help in times of trouble. We want to believe all of those things. But then there are things that can interfere with your faith. Your bad behavior interferes with your faith. Huh? Your bad mood that you get in when you don't get what you want interferes with your faith. The things that you get distracted by that you love so much interfere with your faith. Things that come in disappointments throughout the day interfere with your faith. And so many times we can't receive God as our portion the way we need to because of interference things. Things that, that will tell us that, uh, well, God's not going to do that. Or you have done something wrong. You done messed up now. Where did I go wrong? Or some people just drop out. You know what I'm saying? They used to believe God. They used to hope for things. They used to be enthusiastic about their walk with God. Used to, used to, used to things. And so all of those things will will starve you spiritually of your portion in God. Now, what does that word portion mean? It really means my part, my inheritance. So those of you who lament you didn't have a good relationship with your natural parents. You, you feel like an orphan, and some of us have been abandoned, you know. God is still your portion. You have an inheritance in God. Amen? You have a reward. Your portion means your reward. This is something that you have coming to you, period. So the Lord is your portion because he is your inheritance. You have him. You have a right to expect relationship with God, fellowship with God. Everything that God has to offer you belongs to you. He is your portion. The word portion also means flattery. 
Something that makes you feel like you stand out. So God being your portion, God makes you feel like you stand out. You feel like the most important person in the world. Because you can can stop and have conversation with him anytime. You can stop and have fellowship with him at any time. Learn to trust God. Just reach out a little bit out of yourself and start to dialogue with him. Just Sometimes just put something before him and listen for him to speak back to you. Listen for him to answer. You know, sometimes you can get so caught up in your, your uh you know, we, we start out with a good thing that we want to do to spend time with God. You know, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to spend some time in the word or, you know, uh, I'm going to read. I, this was what, what my thing through the Bible in a year. Well, I did it faithfully for about three years, you know, and then I noticed I was getting behind, got to catch up. And then pretty soon you got four chapters piled up in each area you were supposed to do. And, and so I have sense enough to just say, no, wait a minute. This isn't working, God. What do you want me to do? God, you are my portion. And see, we can spend a lot of time trying to do things that we think impress God instead of seeking him for that thing that, see, when he's your portion, you will seek him first and not try to make up something you think is going to get, you know, take care of the spiritual part. Uh, spiritual aspect of my life you know sometimes we ensnare one another with our testimonies about our devotion or time with the lord or a quiet time and where you got radios blasting the phone is going ping 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 you wonder who that is you understand what i'm saying so come on now your portion is something you partake of so your portion has to be received, in other words, for it to do you any good. Your portion is means that which is allotted to you. And see, that automatically, that puts the, the brakes on some people because they want to think about something. There's an allotment, like somebody's keeping something from you. You know, we want to believe that we can believe anything. Believe for the impossible. Believe, you know, Maybe you just need to be able to believe to get up and walk around your living room without, <laughs> you know, falling over, feeling blue or something like that, you know. Uh, believe for things that will help you where you are. So your allotment may be small at some times. It may be large at other times. It just depends on what God has set aside for you according to what his, his great plan is for your life. So there's a, a plan that God has for you. Your portion is what it will take to for you to fulfill the plan and to have the desires of your heart. So if you feel for any reason that what God has planned for you does not take into account, huh? You'll bling, you'll ring, your thing, whatever it is that you want. Then he leaves room for you. To have that too, just in case you don't trust him. You got me? So, I mean, seriously, I learned that whatever I desired couldn't top what he had for me. I learned that early in my walk with him. Because God would give me things that would mess my head up how I got them. And I thought to myself, God, all I did was ask you, or God, I don't even remember asking for this. 
See what I'm saying? And so, and I see people get mad at God, want to quit doing what they're doing real easy. No, most of us ain't doing that much. You know, but to us, it's, you know, like we'd have moved a mountain or something. All we did was, was pray for 20 minutes. Huh? Seriously. I mean, how, how long do we really pray? Even when we have corporate prayer together. How long do we really spend praying? And see, people want to balk at that. We're selfish. We don't understand that having the Lord as our portion is, uh, it's the highest blessing. It really is. It's the highest blessing. Who are we to complain? Who are we to strive? Who are we to try and better God? You know? Because when you have him, you have everything. We don't know it. But just because you haven't experienced everything that you think you need or you think you want in life, it doesn't mean that you don't have everything. See, if you look at your life now, whatever you have that you see that you enjoy in your life, you had that from the foundation of the earth and more. It was always yours. But if you look back and see how you acquired some things, you prayed, you hollered, you strived, you threatened to quit serving God. You did all this, and it was yours all along. (laughs) Think of the things that you think you don't have now that are still coming. If you straighten up and act right and understand the Lord is your portion. Huh? What are you sweating? Huh? I don't care what it is that you think you're waiting on from God. <laughs> we always waiting, believing, confessing, and praying. You need to start living in the joy of the now. That God has, what has he done for you? Huh? Some people have one wrong thing go on in their lives. And they want to stay mad at God and the saints and everybody acting funny all the time. And stiff and ugly. And and he, you have him to draw from all the time. You have his goodness, his richness. But see, that ain't good enough for some people. They want what they want. Huh? Verse 24, your soul is what needs to be satisfied. See, we always talk about my spirit. This I heard in my spirit. The Father spoke to me in my spirit. It's my spirit. You tell the way people talk. They don't know what they do. I, 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 sometimes I want to tell people, show me where your spirit is. Uh, 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 well, how is he talking to you from there and you don't even know where it is? See? Where is it located? People need to be honest. Quit lying so much. Trying to impress people with their God told me. Huh? We all, hey, listen, listen, even sinners can tell if it's God or not. 
He has a way of communicating himself to everybody. So you don't have to tell us God told you this. We can discern that for ourselves. Huh? Little witches, manipulators. You know, they think they can mess your head up. And then when you think about, well, wait a minute. God talks to me too. He can get people to talk for him. He can get donkeys to talk. He can get rocks to cry out. Come on now, sister. You ain't. Come on now. All that. Get your head straight. Huh? People want to hear from God. They don't even know how to submit to God's authority. You'll never get a word from God if you don't know how to submit to his system. Huh? Run here, there, and everywhere, giving words to everybody. Well, what church do you belong to? Who's your pastor? Well, see, God told me, okay, bye-bye. See, we're not even working in the same organization. Hmm? You work without, I work within. I like within better. Huh? Now, listen, people tell you stuff like that. Well, well, I've been having dreams and visions since I was a kid. Yeah, but are you born again? Are you under authority somewhere so God can really use you? Because I'll be honest with you. God showed me that when I was a new Christian, I was I was understanding some things about God, some things. But it was not until I got myself in a church and in a Bible study under God's system and his authority that the gifts of the spirit began to work in me. See, that's one thing that will separate out the fortune tellers, the astrologers, the witches, and the warlocks from the people who really hear from God and the gifts of the spirit of God that are a part of the church. Remember that Daniel was there right beside all the other, uh, all the other, uh, uh, soothsayers and, and astrologers and the fortune tellers, all the people that know the times and the seasons and all that kind of stuff. But when he showed up, they said, this is, he, he serves the holy God. If you don't serve the holy God and are part of what he's doing, he tells you, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves one with another. When I got involved in that Bible study, I prophesied all the time. I get words of knowledge about people's healing. None of that happened when I was sitting at home. And I was doing the best I could. I was reading my Bible. I watched Christian television. I did everything these Facebook prophets are doing. And nothing of God, nothing holy ever came to me. And see, I know the gifts of the spirit are for the church. And when I say church, I don't mean them people who claim who they are. I mean people who are really submitted to God. He and where he wants you to be when he wants you to be there. It's for obedient people. He doesn't share holy things with profane people. Are you kidding me? Rebelliousness is as a sin of witchcraft. Why? Because that's all you're going to ever be is a witch. Trying to manipulate and control people. And jealous of the priest's portion. So your soul is what cries out to the Lord. Your soul is what gets you in trouble. Your soul is what will bail you out of trouble. You never see anybody uh, talking about, uh, oh, the, uh, bless the Lord on oh my spirit. 
Because if your spirit's born again, it can do nothing but bless the Lord. You don't have to control your spirit, tell your spirit, man. But your soul can goof you up. Your head can mess you up coming and going. If you don't get that bad boy renewed and start casting down all them crazy thoughts you get from your head, telling your head it's not going to run your life no more, there's a new sheriff in town, the mind of Christ. You start developing the mind of Christ within you. And God will allow you to connect to him mentally so you can share his thoughts. He's your portion. He's your portion in your mind. He's your portion in your heart. He's your portion in your pocketbook. He's your portion everywhere. So if you read the Psalms, you see these, they didn't have a born again spirit. Then them people is talking about they soul giving them trouble. And how when their soul is at rest and their soul connects to God, they have peace in every way and they can patiently wait for the Lord. If the Old Testament believer can do it, you can do it. There's no reason for God's people to run around saying crazy stuff all day long. Little religious phrases and all that kind of stuff. Stop that stuff. Just just be normal. You know, you, just, you don't have to try to think of a spiritual answer for everything. Huh? Tell people to just be, have a normal conversation with somebody. Huh? <laughs> quit being put, quit wearing them queen t-shirts. And you don't even know how to balance a checkbook. Of course, you queens don't have checkbooks. Y'all got somebody writing checks for y'all. I got my girl over here, my BFF, and she write my checks. I know y'all don't need all that, being a queen and such. I mean, when you you walk up to somebody, you see that. What what are you supposed to do with that? Salam alaikum, whatever. I don't know. I mean, come on now. We don't have queens in this country. We don't know what that means. Take that off. Just put saved on there. Don't put nothing on there. We can figure this out. See, when the Lord is your portion, you don't have to wear a queen shirt. Did you hear what I said? You don't have to advertise nothing but the love of Christ. You got real nails. (laughs) Gee, I I should leave one undone, but I just can't. Okay, thank you. (laughs) I don't want nothing to pop off in the congregation, so. Hallelujah. Holla back. So the one who seeks the Lord as his portion humbles himself to God. You don't have to advertise who you are. Now the Bible says we are open epistles known and read of all men. People know who you are. God shows them. When God wants you uncovered and revealed, he will do that. So when he's your portion, he is your reward. He's the one who flatters you. Tells you how wonderful you are, how much he loves you, how much he gave for you. Let you know your importance to him. I remember sitting in a dentist chair. I'm sitting there thinking I'm not, not, I'm taking these stupid pills they give me for my blood pressure. I didn't know they stopped working. You know, you got to check up on your pills. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying, what, God, 
Come on, God, show me how to get off these things real quick. I'm done with this. But uh, <laughs> I'm sitting there, and my blood pressure shot up. And I'm looking at her, saying, well, what is this? And then uh, the little girl who's taking it, she said, it's high, but we'll still, <laughs> now I remember them wanting me not to get medication to pull that tooth out that time. And I'm sitting up there praying in tongues under my breath. I remember Oral Roberts said that time he was on a ventilator. He said, and I prayed in tongues inside me. I said, let me write that down. <laughs> so there I am, I'm praying in tongues inside me. And so I said, God, don't let me die in the dentist chair. You know, I'm the great woman of paste and flour, right? I got faith when it's you, but when it's me. <laughs> I thought they was going to have to give me another shot just to get me to sit in the chair. So I'm going, and he said, don't you know I love you too much to let you die in the dentist's office? Slap you back into another place. Trust me. Huh? You know, when I was married, my husband used to give me them kind of, well, not slap me, slap me. He wanted to probably, but he didn't. But you know, it was, you know, I get, and I just, he said, just come here. You understand what I'm saying? It was like that, only more powerful. Jesus has the best slap you back into your senses. Huh? You let the devil start running your mind, telling you this and that, getting you fearful, get you crazy. Huh? Then I'm sitting in the chair. I said, I think I skipped read my word this morning. No, I'm just... <laughs> like God's little, so what's it do? All the other times you did read your word, I took care of you. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I mean, we get real crazy. We ain't but an inch off from it. You know what I'm saying? Or you think, if I had just done, if I just, ten Hail Marys. Oh, no, that's wrong. No, I can't do that no more. I just, that didn't work back then. I, <laughs> but see, when he's your portion, you grab onto that. And you think, mm, all I need is you. Good, bad, indifferent. What did I miss doing? What did I do wrong? What did I, I ain't talked to you in 15 days or longer. Just been going about my business, spending your money on what I want to do. See, when he's your portion, you know you can repent, turn around, and it's all good. Get yourself straightened out. You got me? You can get yourself straightened out. When God is your portion, your soul seeks for good. Your soul is not looking for problems and trouble. Huh? Your soul is looking for good all the time. The man in <clears throat> Lamentations 3 humbled himself to God. When God is your portion, you submit to that first, and it's all good. Ezekiel 45 <clears throat> talks about the priesthood so i need to share a few things with you about the old testament priesthood to bring you up to speed on 
what God wants you to know about the now priesthood. Ezekiel 45 and verse 1 says, Then he brought me back the way of the gate of the out. Oh, 45, sorry. Moreover, when you shall divide by lot the land for inheritance, you shall offer an oblation to the Lord, a holy portion of the land. And he gave gave the length of it, etc., etc. And then he talks about building the sanctuary. Verse 4, the holy portion of the land shall be for the priests and ministers of the sanctuary, which shall come near to minister to the Lord. And it shall be a place for their houses, a holy place for the sanctuary. And the five and twenty thousand of length, ten thousand of breath shall also be the Levites, the ministers of the house, have for themselves for a possession for twenty chambers. And you shall appoint the possessions of the city, five thousand brought in. In other words, there was ample land, ample provision. When the tithes were offered, the God told the priests what portion of that was for them. What portion was for the Lord? How to distribute everything to people who continually serve God. So when the Lord says, you are my priest, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. This is something he has set aside for all believers to function in. So as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a holy priest unto God. So God becomes your portion because you have an inherited, well, natural, not just an inherited priesthood, but you have an inheritance before God as somebody who waits and ministers on him continually. So back in Israel, there was a continual priesthood. It was not like a nine to five job where you punched in and punched out. You lived in that, in that holy place. You lived, he set aside a, a, so to speak, compound where his priests were to reside. They lived a different lifestyle than the average, average everyday Jew did. And so as priests now, as a royal priesthood unto our God, we have a holy realm that we are supposed to inhabit for him all the time. We are supposed to be on call for him 24-7. We are supposed to live in an atmosphere and create an atmosphere around us where God prevails, where his goodness prevails, where his mercy prevails, where his life prevails, where it abides at all times. We have to, as believers, learn what our confession is for Aside from stuff we want to make us rich. Your confession is to create that same atmosphere around you that the Old Testament priests enjoyed because of the land that God gave them. God set apart a land for them to dwell in. So they didn't have to be bothered with cussing neighbors and drunk people around them all the time and stuff like that. You're entitled as a priest to God. You're entitled to have peace around you everywhere. 
You got neighbors cutting up in your building. You have authority over that building. That don't belong to the landlord and it don't belong to the owner. That belongs to the priesthood of the most high God. And you can create that atmosphere. All you have to do is say, God, this is not an atmosphere for a priest to live in. Now, there's trouble here, danger coming too close to me. And I'm asking you to help me to to keep that atmosphere right around here in Jesus' name. Now, you might have you go witness to them people and get them saved. You don't know how he's going to do it. But you know, for one thing, you are not to live in an atmosphere of turmoil. I mean, at any time. That's how you can ask God to straighten up people living in your house that ain't cool. You're not to live in an atmosphere of turmoil. You're not to live in an atmosphere of strife. You're to keep that, that God gave you that as a possession forever. That belongs to the priesthood as a possession forever. The Levites did not have personal property. They had no land. They had better than land. Levites, you could look around every day and see your brothers that were given allotments lose it because of bad management. But you can never lose your land. So as a priest, as an intercessor, as one who works for God, as one who takes their covenant seriously. Now you can have a priesthood calling, but don't function in it. Many people have that. In fact, we got a lot of people out there quote unquote believers who don't even function as priests they don't minister before God they don't worship him they don't look to serve people they're just here but if you are serving God if you are one who he can call to pray if you are one who are committed to prayer I don't mean just do it till you get tired of it because you ain't got what you want out of the deal I'm talking about committed to it There are certain things that God has promised to impart to your life that cannot be taken from you under any circumstances. He is your portion. He is your allotment. You go to God, say, God, you are my portion. I don't need anything but you. And he starts putting you to work. But I'm telling you, intercessors, the real ones live better than anybody on this earth. We live better than some of the ministers who are multimillionaires selling tons of million dollars worth of books. Why? Because I don't need his fame. I don't need his books. He's my portion. No matter what that portion brings me, I'm cool. I'm living top of the line. Amen. All these people writing books about your best life and all. They don't know what living for God really is. You take that money away from them, they'll cry and whine like babies because they do it all the time. The devil's constantly pulling against them. They sweat bullets trying to make the, the bills every month. Well, that's, we got to take, go on the road and do some meetings there because we got more bills to pay. Help yourself. But the Lord is my portion. You understand me? He's more than enough for me. And as I serve him, as I serve him in the priesthood, and I'm willing to pray for people and minister to people and allow people to to uh, have my phone number and wake me up and all this kind of stuff. Huh? 
people call you and you tell them to get in the church and they got a million excuses. You pray for them one more time to get them out of trouble. You won't go slap them. You know, cause it's like, now I'm a, I'm a pastor. Why would I try to help you and you don't even respect people like me to go get in the ch- church so you don't have to bother me all the time? Now let's be real here. Well, I've been in, I've been a Christian for 20 years. You ought to be able to do better then. You ought to be having somebody call you for help. Do you ever want to be somebody other than on the begging and receiving end all the time? I mean, it's in you as a child of God to aspire to something better. You aspire to, to being able to minister and help other people, to teach other people, to see them grow up in the things of God, not remain whining babies forever. Deuteronomy 18. Did we go there yet? Deuteronomy 18 and verse 1. The priests and Levites and all the tribe of Levi, that's your calling, your priesthood shall have no part nor inheritance with Israel. So God cuts you off from one to establish you in another. Trust me, if God singles you out so that you don't receive something that everybody else has, it's to bring you higher than where they live. Did you hear what I said? He singles you out. To give, take something away from you that everybody else has is because he is ordained for you to live higher than where they do. It's a difference between natural life and spiritual life. The spiritual life is always a higher way of living. Now, the Levite that didn't like it would see himself as being dependent upon the other people for offerings. That's why God told him, no, you're not. I'm your portion. See, you look to me for what you need. You're not dependent on. It's like the way churches, people mess pastors up because the pastors, you know, I've heard them say, my people take good care of me. Are you nuts? God takes good care of you if you're a minister. Now, see, if that's what you think, then you didn't do yourself any good striving and praying to get to a ministry and get all that and you still think the people are you the people are the ones who are taking care of you people don't take care of each other god takes care of all of us now he might use people from time to time to meet those needs huh but no god takes care of you if you are a minister you work for god if you're a christian and you pray And I mean consistently. I ain't talking about just for what you want. Intercessors are people who, they bridge the gap between those who have and those who have not. You don't know God. You don't know him well enough to believe him for a healing. We will pray for you. That's intercessors. And we don't care who you are. 
We'll pray for anybody. God puts it on your heart. Open the door. You pray for anybody that, that comes in has a need. Same thing with people that come into the church. You got to worry. If you're a pastor, you got to love everybody and work with everybody. You know, it bugs me when people say, well, do you like somebody better than you like me? You don't live off me liking you. Now, if that's what you really think you're living off of, we need to put you on the front row and put you in Christian kindergarten. So you can learn what the dealio is. Huh? Why am I your enemy and your friend? Double-minded or unstable in all their ways. Well, you got me mixed up with somebody else. So the Levites had no portion or allotment, no part in the inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the offerings of the Lord made by fire as his inheritance. So had they had to believe God was their portion. See, where the people mess up, they believe the people to have something instead of believing God to put it in the hands of the people. See, you make your people broke. When you look at them as your source. Any of y'all in here broke? I didn't think so. But see, there are many places where they break the people. Because they lean so heavily in the arm of flesh on them. That the people feel the burden and the, the fear and the anxiety that that minister feels. See, I'm I'm here to impart holy things to you. Not my troubles and not my woes and not my... I'm trying to get you out of yours and get you in faith. So we can all come up a little bit. We all got to live here. So as the people brought in the offerings, the priesthood was taken care of. When when people backslid and didn't give offerings, priests had to find something to do. So instead of just keeping the the fire of God going all the time, little bit by little bit, it petered out. If you don't have sacrifices put on the fire, they only lit the fire one time. God lit it from heaven. You couldn't keep just, you couldn't let it go out and blow back on it again and get it. He'd kill you for that. He killed a couple of people for that. You got me? Strange fire. But it had to keep going continually. The people had to serve God continually. So the priests had to read the word to the people, had to offer counsel, settle their issues, etc. Everybody worked. When it worked, it worked well. But when one part of the system fell down, it all fell down. So you would see Israel going into exile, and then somebody would go and find a lowly little Levite living off somewhere by himself, just fending for himself. See, the whole system breaks down if you don't do your part. And it's true about the church now. We live as a body. You don't do your part, the whole system breaks down. Amen? And so he says in verse 2, Therefore there shall have no inheritance among their brethren, for the Lord is your inheritance. The Lord is your inheritance and your portion. And that's true. If you're a priest and you all are, all believers are priests, whether they function in it or not. You are a priest to the most high God. 
You're also children of God. You do obey him like little children. Don't take your priesthood for granted. Don't think you all that because we, we all priests. You understand what I'm saying? From the least to the greatest of us, we're all the same. So that priestly portion is the Lord. So the Lord is your priestly portion. God has ordained that his ministers and his priests live supernaturally. So we are taken care of by El Shaddai. The Lord was the inheritance of the priesthood then and it is now. Even more so, he is our portion. Leviticus 24. I'll turn there. Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Numbers. Leviticus, what did I say? 24. And verse 8. He's talking about the, the showbread that the priest is to put before the Lord. And, and to minister uh, like that before the Lord. Uh, in 8 and 9. Every Sabbath he shall set it in order before the Lord continually. Being taken from the children of Israel by an everlasting covenant. And it shall be Aaron's and his sons, and they shall eat it in the holy place, for it is most holy unto him of the offerings of the Lord made by fire by a perpetual statute. So the Levite had to eat what he ate in the presence of the other Levites. Now, why is this important? Portion control. (laughs) because it was holy it was not to be removed from the holy place and taken and shared among the unholy why is that important why is it important that if God has called you all holy people and he sets a table for everybody that you eat that portion among one another and don't take it away from the holy place and it be shared among those who are not holy. Why, is it, why do you think that's important to God? Yeah, yeah. let us see, that's a good exa- answer. She said you would contaminate it. In other words, it's not holy anymore either for you as a priest. And it could kill them because it doesn't belong to them. I think about all the people that dropped dead because they took what was dedicated to God and gave it unto those that it was not allotted for. See, there's a portion. I don't care how broke people are, how poor they are, how whatever they are. There's a portion that's allotted to the holy, to the priesthood, to those whom God has called. And then there's a way for them to get what they need to. If there were poor people that came toward uh, an Israelite farmer, he was allowed to glean from his field. 
You had to work in order to get something to eat from God. You understand what I'm saying? God keeps his law all the way down the line, baby. When he told me to start having fellowship, friends and family dinners, have fellowship with people, come in, join in fellowship. I said, fine. I didn't ask God why we had to eat with one another. You know what? You can hurt yourself trying to be too inquisitive. Sometimes you just need to obey and see what happens. Why do Christians have fellowship dinners? Why do we wash each other's feet? Why do we do those symbolic things? It's because we are family. (laughs) You have to do the things that speak family or God's purposes are not. See, it'd be easy for us to just don't even bother with that. Do what other people do after you collect the offering and sing the last song, let everybody go home. That would be very easy to do. But that doesn't build a family. In your home, why do you have a dining room table and cook one meal for everybody and set a table and have everybody partake of the same meal at the same time? It's to build fellowship. It's to build an atmosphere where people are comfortable, where they can come in and talk. Now, I know we don't do that no more. But it's God. See, it has God's purposes behind it. So when your kids wind up somewhere missing where they shouldn't be, you know, you'll understand that way before trouble comes in because Johnny didn't come home for dinner. We have dinner every every evening at this time, whether his dad is home or not. You understand what I'm saying? And when dad is home, tell dad to come and sit at the table. You understand what I'm saying? Fight to hold on to those things. Don't let that get away from you. Pretty soon dad is is coming home at 7, then 8, then 9, and he's gone overnight. Well, if I'm lying, just shoot me. Huh? It's for the concept and the reality of family. Harmony, living on one accord. I've had people come in here, well, no, I don't want any dinner. No, stay. You know, it's just, you know, it's just us. You know, you know who we are. People, I've had people quit coming here because I wouldn't let them do carry out. I know this isn't popular. But it's God. I'm trying to drive home a point to those of you who think everything's not important. So you can get to the point where you're living like the heathen and don't even know it. And you're called as a priest. You're royalty. And you don't even know what that means. Why? Because we let so many traditions slip. So many good habits slip. Because we don't hold on to them like they're important, even whether you know the importance or not. If you don't know the meaning or not, I'm trying to give you the meaning of things so you can understand these things are worth fighting for, worth holding on to. See, the devil likes having everybody going through the drive through and eating in your car. Huh? Oh, 
well, maybe we ought to park here and just continue this conversation on where, where you eat and who you eat with. Huh? He likes that. Why? Because it solidifies the breakup of the family. Everybody's over here doing something. Everybody's there doing something. Everybody's there doing something. Huh? Come and just come and fellowship with us. Well, I don't have to come to this church. Bam, slam the door. Bye-bye. Don't want to see you go over this. It must be important if the devil's fighting people over it. That's the way I always look at it. They don't want to sit and fellowship and eat with people. and You eat by yourself enough all the time anyway. You understand what I'm saying? You ought to want some company sometimes. And get out of that TV, get off the phone, put the whatever you're doing down that keeps you from fellowshipping, humbling yourself to God and getting to know your own child and your own wife and your own family. Put that nonsense down. Recognize who you are. Your royal priesthood. You are in a family. Act like it. This is how family people act. They share everything in common. This cuts down strife. I remember somebody, who do we know when we were kids, Pastor Shirley? They would cook a pot and everybody run down and get their little separate. Everybody ate separate from everybody else. Got a spoon and a plate. Uh-huh. And got in the pot. Uh-huh, because the mama was sitting watching TV all day. She never moved out of that chair. Huh? Her, her, one of her children died cursing. He was robbing somebody. I think this was years ago. He was maybe like 13 or 15, 14 years old and had taken to robbing people and they went to church every Sunday. They were known as the church family in the neighborhood. And he died cussing because there was no family order. Anybody will tell you they were the most disorganized family in the whole neighborhood. And the dad was henpecked. He worked 12 hours a day when he can get it, just brought his money home, gave it to his lazy wife. They had possessions, but no God. They had possessions but no family order. They had possessions but no no head of the household overseeing, organizing everything so their kids could live in safety. See, it makes a difference. How many things are we going to let slip and say it's not important just because it's more trouble you think to hold on to it than to just let it go and die with everything else that God has for us? I don't care if you're the odd person, the odd family in in the family tree, or the odd family on the block. Do what God tells you to do. Your your family table is a sacred place. The Holy Spirit hovers over that. If you'll let him, that's where you bless your food. That's where everybody at one time can have contact with God. You upset because nobody prays with you. Start blessing your food together. Start eating together so you can bless your food together. And insist upon it. I tell women, insist on that. You cook the food. You gather the family together. Your husband will do what you say if you want to eat. 
And if he don't want to eat, he'll learn how where he's supposed to eat. Don't let those things slip away. They're important to God. Your children can bring the Holy Spirit down in intercession. You start letting them say grace over the food and see if God don't show up. And he'll follow them to school. And he'll protect them from the bullies in the school. And he'll help them to stay away from the worst kids in the school. It's important. So mark it down. This day I told you what's important. You got me? Something everybody can do that won't cost you anything but your pride. Learn what things to fight over that are important. That you fight for. To keep your family under God's authority, you fight for that. That's what priests do. So the priestly portion was allotted from the offerings that Israel brought. We said they must be eaten in the holy place. You can't take what's holy and profane it. Jesus said, don't cast your pearls before swine. Don't, don't give the things that are holy to dogs. Amen. So you, you know, you're, my dog is holy. So she eats the holy portion off the holy shelf that I keep it on. She knows all the hiding places. Deuteronomy 26. Did we go there yet? And we just going to stay here for a minute. Because I can tell y'all got to let this sink in. When you start praying for God to send you somebody to eat with, you get married. Huh? <laughs> Twenty six thirteen. Then shall you say before the Lord your God, I have brought away the hallowed things out of your house, out of the holy house, and have also given them to the Levite and to the stranger. This was when the tithe was given to the fatherless, to the widow, according to all the commandments which you have commanded me. I've not transgressed your commandments, neither have I forgotten him. Now, this is for the people who tithe. This was their prayer over their giving. There was a separate tithe for the Levite, and then there was a tithe for the poor and the widow and the fatherless. Did you know that? Then people gave 20%, not 10. And see, we sweat 10. Huh? We do, and some people never give it. It's the thought. They don't trust God. He said, try me. Oh boy, you go in the Old Testament, you'll get some. I feel your pain out there. Uh, but you need to receive this stuff. Because it said, if the old, if it brought them God's mercy in the old, think of what it would do for you in the new. You just have the, the law taken, I mean the curse of the law taken off of it. But it's still legal to give God a tenth of what you get, make. The priest is the one who makes intercession before the Lord on behalf of the people. The people... In this dispensation, people will just ask for prayer, but don't pay for it. You got me? Back in the day, they had to make an offering before the priest would even pray for them. Hmm? Now, how is the New Testament priest paid? Now, we're paid in a lot of different ways. But when you think about, now think about it, people had to make an offering under the old covenant prior to approaching the priest even get a prayer you didn't get prayed for if you didn't bring an offering amen think about 
now we pray for people all the time never ask think what would happen for them if they gave an offering every time they asked for prayer it's not wrong if it was ever in the bible it's right but think what might happen to some of these people who pray for years and years and never get or ask you to pray for them or come to church one time, get prayer one time, don't give any offering, never never receive. Think what would happen if they would open up their hearts to offer something to the Lord to show that they honor God. I'm not talking about giving to me. God will take care of me. You understand what I'm saying? Even if your faith ain't all that, you'll find God dropping stuff in your life anyway. So, oh, God must be taking care of me. I think it's okay to do this. You understand what I'm saying? But but think what would happen if we would apply some of those old principles in a better covenant based on better blessings. Like if you refuse to, to take anything from a saint of God without sending something back to him. You know, we send people prayer cloths, books, but devotionals all the time. Think what would happen with them if they were to make an offering. Show God that you honor him. Show God in advance that you appreciate what he's doing. Show God, you know, most people give grudgingly. They want, wait to see if something happens or not before they even tell you thank you. Huh? We get about a 10% thank you rate. Remember the lepers? Only one came back out of the 10. Yeah. About 10%. But see, it's not for me that you're doing it. It's to show thanks to God. God, what can I do for this? You know, sinners, sinners know how to do that. Huh? The, the, the woman that, that, that Elijah passed by continually. Remember, and and she said, this is a holy man of God. She wasn't even a, an Israelite, and she decided to do something good for him. And look what God did for her. Gave a, a son to an unbelieving woman, and she stayed unbelieving till the son dropped dead that day. And then she got converted real quick. See about that? Huh? There are many things that we skip over in the word because that was back then and we think it doesn't apply now. It's not mandatory now. You won't be cursed if you don't do it. But think if it's not mandatory and you do it, the blessing that would be there. If you went over, see, that's how you go over and above in your normal activity as far as God is concerned. We used to have a principle, give till it hurts. If it don't hurt you to give, you haven't touched God yet. Huh? We've become so concerned about us. And we forget the Lord is your portion. If you are alive and a believer today, the Lord is your portion. You need to claim him as that and say, God, I don't need anything else. I have come alive today. I have learned the secret to life. If I don't get nothing else, I got the fact that you are all that I need. And if I need anything else, I can trust you to bring it to me. Some things you don't need, you don't ask God as a need. It becomes an add to in your life. Wouldn't it be nice to live like that? 
all needs met, nothing lacking, nothing missing, nothing broken, and all the things you desire are add to to make your life more comfortable. Some people need to take lack and put it in a garbage can every day. I curse lack in the name of Jesus. Lack, you will not control my life and my mind in Jesus' name. God is my portion. The Lord is my shepherd. I have no lack, no want. I'm not destitute. I'm not starving. The only thing that's going to happen wrong is if you walk away from God. You can live without everything else. New Testament, we're paid through through the law of sowing and reaping. We have a royalty portion. Write that down. All you queens. I don't know who we got. I think I chased all the queens out of here. I don't know. Lord have mercy. You know, this the queen's portion. You have a royalty. There's a king portion too. I always see these queens and, you know, where's the king? Lord have mercy. So the royalty person. We portion. We are granted rulership. That's your portion. And authority. And our ability to command forces of darkness away. And to command to call forth the hidden riches that God will unveil to us through intercession. You ever notice sometimes you see people saying things about prayer or about spiritual things. And you know it's wrong. And you want to help them to understand the right way what the truth is you ever notice sometimes i mean and i've tried it i know some of you have tried it and what do we usually get for our good efforts they argue with us they fight with us they rebuke you and you keep trying and then you wind up breaking relationship with them well you know that the lord told me he said those are the hidden treasures that only intercessors That's why they don't understand it. They say they pray, but they don't. And they talk. See, this is how the religious get separated from the spiritual. See, God's keeping us separate all the time. Whether you know it or not, there is a large hedge around your life. And see, if you're one of those people that don't mind breaking hedges, you're going to keep getting your head busted by your good girlfriend that te- say she's spiritual, but she don't know crap about nothing going on in the spirit. So the best thing you can do for you is say, well, honey, I'll pray for you and keep it moving and get away as fast as you can before they take your head off. Huh? Learn how to respect boundaries around your life. The Lord told me, he said, you think I share secrets that I shed my blood to get for my bride with the one who won't serve me? He said, I'm not telling them people nothing. They got to come close to me, get to know me, do what I tell them to do, be on call 24-7. They got to live that kind of life to get the secrets of God. 
That's why they don't understand. That's a lot of times that, you know, people say things, well, that everybody should have one of these prayer manuals. Why don't you just use it? Let me see you use yours. You know, they want to tout all to tell you how wonderful it is. And, oh, look at what's in here. And, it, and it's still brand new. You see it 15 years later. It's still, I don't know what I did with that. Now, I know I had one at one time. Huh? It's for the priesthood, baby. Huh? This for the priesthood. So your royalty portion. The Bible also says that the king, when he sits in his throne of authority, he can scatter wickedness with his eyes. That's why a lot of people don't want to even come close to you and talk to you. Keep the distance. Keep the distance. See, there's something in them probably that you can't even detect and discern. But the eyes know it. Huh? And you don't even be trying to be mean to nobody or whatever they say you are. You know what I'm saying? I got that so long. (laughs) I I, wear it as a badge of honor now. They say you said the same thing about Jesus. No, I just mean to stay with God. Now, I love you, but I'm going to stay with God. You're not getting me over in that nonsense you in. Your portion, royalty portion. Skills are acquired through intercession. These tools come handed to you directly from God. There are things that I can't impart to you. You've got to get directly from God. I noticed this about the anointing, especially the anointing to minister and to the anointing to preach. Now, I can impart certain gifts and abilities to all believers, certain discreet things to ministers if I really listen to God. But beyond that, you got to get some things directly from God. If you're called to the ministry, you have to meet God's requirements. People say things like, well, if you're school and ministry, uh, when do I get a certificate? I said, in what? <laughs> what you want one in? I got about 15 of them. I could probably, we can print up anything you want. You got it. But see, if it's not real, what good is it doing you? Huh? The anointing you will have to get from God. I remember, <laughs> I remember telling someone, I think it was Nola. I was saying, well, Nola, you know, why don't you start doing some teachings here and there? I said, now you're going to have to find the anointing yourself. And she, her eyes got real big. <laughs> she said, really? <laughs> For real? <laughs> you know? <laughs> And and so I decided I stopped telling people that because <laughs> it is kind of alarming. <laughs> but uh, but she found it. You got me. Now see Bridget, I didn't even tell her. I could have because she Bridget tough as nails in some things. You know, she believes something. She believes it. You know what I'm saying? But but I decided I'd wait. For her to locate it, you know what I'm saying? And, and so, um, 
I, I remember she came in the office one time. What'd she say? She said, I just, you know, you think you're going to say one thing, you get up there or something else. And I, I had a little tear in my eye, but I did show her. I said, Papa, I love you. <laughs> you know, I said, you did Baba's heart good. You know, just get too gushy about things. But, but see, why would I pass out certificates to people when I know that's not how you're going to get anything from God? See, as intercessors, you have things you don't even know are there. Because they're even hidden from your awareness until you get into the realm of the spirit where they need to come forth is when you're in the spirit of intercession with God. So there are skills that are acquired through intercession. These tools come directly from God. So if he is your portion and your inheritance, anything you need from God is there for you in the spirit. It's not a matter of Discussion and table conversation. It's not a matter of chit chat with somebody or Facebook postings. Got me? It's a matter of inheritance. Psalm 16, 5. The Bible says we have a goodly inheritance. Isn't that good? It's, it says my lot has fallen on pleasant places. You know, in Israel, they, they chose their land by either choosing straws or rolling dice or something like that. Dice aren't evil. They are the way that decisions are made. So these were decision-making things. And it says <clears throat> that, uh, it says my, my, uh, my lot, what does it say? 16-5. I'm sorry. What did I say? 65? 16-5. Okay, I'm sorry. It says, the Lord is the portion of my inheritance and of my cup. In other words, your inheritance, far off your cup, what's near you, what you need every day to survive. He maintains your lot. In other words, he takes care of your possessions. Now, he ain't going to weed it and plant for you. Stop it. But he will keep the devourer out if you believe him. Amen. So it says, he maintains my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. In other words, you got fruit trees on your land already. You have good timber for the things you want to build, your house you want to build. Everything is right there in your inheritance in God. Keep seeking God for what's rightfully yours. Your portion at your right hand makes you immovable. That's verse 8. It says, I have set the Lord always before me. In other words, worship God. Tell him to lead you to what's yours. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. So nobody can kick you off of your inheritance. They can't repo it, take it back from you. You're immovable because he's at your right hand. And for Psalm 142, I had more, but I digressed a little bit, but. Praise God. (laughs) Psalm 142. And verse 5. I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. So attend to my cry. For I'm brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors. For they are stronger than me. Sometimes he got to deliver you from your own mind. Amen. 
Because the biggest persecutors rent free space in our heads, don't they? And so when the Lord is your portion, he's all you need. The devil keep trying to tell you need this, you need that. Oh, no, you just, you know, you, you made a mistake with that. You got to go over here. Don't let the devil start moving you and pushing you around. Know that the Lord gives you a stable place to be because he is your portion. He is your everything. Amen. All right. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for the Lord's portion. Thank you, Lord, that we will consume our portion in the holy place. We don't have to share what we have with the profane unless it's at your urging. But, Father, I thank you that you have set apart a place where we can worship you, where we can come in security and safety to receive what you have for us. We all are co-equal inheritors with with Christ. We are co-workers, co-laborers, and co-inheritors with him. All that you have belongs to us. We could want for no thing. So we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. Amen, amen, amen.